So that's kind of the message that I have for you tonight. I have a... So we, we, as you know, in Living Word Community Church, I go through, I'm going through the, you know, the Bible. I preach, I'm preaching through Mark right now. And uh, we're going to be covering Mark 13 this um, coming Sunday morning. The message will be on the abomination desolation. And then um, next week we're going to be talking, I know you probably don't want to talk a lot about, we're going to talk about the Antichrist, right? We'd more talk about Jesus, but it's the word that Jesus gave us. Tonight I'd like to talk to you about the anchor of blessing. We will, we're right now between Leviticus and Numbers in the Old Testament on Wednesdays. So we'll come back to, we're going to come back to Numbers. But this is called the anchor blessing. And uh, I'm going to have you turn to me to Luke chapter 10, 17 through 23. So I'm, I'm going through in my own personal devotions. Uh, I read five chapters every morning. And I was meditating on Luke chapter 10 and came upon this passage. And God just impressed it upon my heart. It was, it was really great because every night when I would go to bed, I would literally review the passage. And there, there were four blessings that I, I take from this passage Literally, I call them anchor blessings. They're, they're, they, they anchor us in a very crazy world that we live in. So I, I was just so blessed, and I said, I want to bring this to you. So um, this, this happened about a month ago, and I've been, you know, kind of in it and meditating on it since, and uh, I wanted to bring it to you, uh, you know, on a Wednesday night. So Luke chapter 10, 17 through 23, the word of our Lord then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turns to his disciples and he said privately, Blessed are your eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord God, as we, Lord, we come before you like Mary. We kneel before you, Lord. We fix our eyes, Lord God, on your face that we would hear tonight you speaking to our hearts, this, this wonderful word, Lord, that, Lord, could bring us, Lord, could bring us, Lord, strength, could bring us, Lord God, stability, could bring us peace and joy in this current time that we live in. Lord God, let us, Lord God, get anchored tonight in a deeper way in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So we have, we have the privilege of being able to enter into God's blessings every day. Now, the, the word blessing is a word that, that essentially it means is something that is sacred. It carries with it, it its sacredness, sanctification. 
but it, it carries with it is something very sacred. The shalom, the peace of God, is sacred. The, the joy of God is, is sacred. So when we're talking about blessings, not talking about happiness. Uh, happiness depends upon happenings. And uh, joy and peace and the blessings of God transcend happenings. So, you know, you look at, at the way most people live, this is the experience of their life. You know, again, it's full of ups and downs. They live on a roller coaster. Something happens that makes them happy, they feel good. Something happens that makes them feel sad, right? So now they're, they're down. And the, the idea, again, of, of, of blessing, blessing is something we can experience 24-7. So in the, in the past year, I experienced blessing um, sitting on a beach at Long Beach Island on perfect sunny days. And I also experienced blessing sitting in the hospital, in the bed, after having surgery. So that's the, the beauty, again, of, of blessing. Blessing can be experienced in a hospital bed, it can also be experienced on a sunny beach. It can be experienced on the mountain of glory. It can also be experienced when you're down in the valley of demons. So that, that, that is it. It's, it's essentially the blessings of God are an anchor. An anchor. So I call, I call this again an anchor blessing. We live in turbulent times. The, the waters that we're in are stormy. There, there, are, there are winds, right? Hurricanes blow, you know, blow through our lives. And an anchor gives stability. It keeps the boat from basically being driven away. It keeps the boat from capsizing. So that's you know, a, a key thing. Now, I want to share this. I was on a call this week with some people, and there was a woman... She's an insurance executive, and she was sharing the demographic in our culture that has had the greatest increase of death. So understand, older people obviously die, okay, in, in greater numbers than younger people. But the greatest increase of all the demographics, where would you think that it is? And the insurance companies, it's people between the age of 16 and 26, and the major causes of death, suicide and overdose. And that, that, you know, if that doesn't bother you as a Christian, that these are, these are the young people of our culture. And this younger generation, this thing that's called the Z generation, is a, a, a generation that is not anchored. They, they, they don't want to be bothered with God. They don't, don't want to go to church. You know, some of the reasons they give why they don't want to go to church is they don't want their friends to make fun of them if they, if they went to church. Or they, they think that if they go to church, they're going to be bored. They're going to fall asleep. And it's, it's a generation, you know, the, the, this woke, you know, the woke culture, you know where most of it comes from. It comes from the Z generation. You know, it's supposed to be cancel culture. The sad thing is... It's, it's a cannibalistic culture where not only do they want to cancel everybody outside of their, of their demographic group, they cancel each other. 
and they, they cannibalize each other, and they consume each other, and all you have to do is go on social media, I mean, if you dare to, and I'm not on Facebook, I don't look, I don't look at my, uh, the, the different reports that people give, you know, on my preaching on, on YouTube, and sometimes my wife says, oh, look, how many, I, I don't care, I don't care, you know, what the, what the critics, whether they like me or not, that doesn't, um, you know, you get old, you get old, you stop caring about what people think about you. And that's, as I've gotten older, that's, that, that I've cared about what people thought about me when I was younger. But um, essentially, again, they, they just, they're, they're critics, and they're critics of each other. And they're unhappy, I don't know if you've noticed that. They're, they're really somewhat miserable in, you know, in, in, their, in their being. You, know, you, see, you see them sometimes, you see these two young girls pouring milk. Did you see that? They're pouring the milk out in the store. And they, they, they're angry. They're, they're, they're in, I don't know what they think that's going to do. I think all it did was make a whole lot of people angry at them. And the, the two kids that went, I think it was in France, with the Van Gogh, they're just going to destroy this beautiful piece of art by throwing tomato soup on it and gluing, gluing their hands to the wall. And my thought was, they should just leave them there for two weeks, glued to the wall. But they're, you know, but you see them, and they're, again, there's this, there's, the, they're angry, and they're, you know, they're mad at the world, and these, these are the kids who are overdosing. These are the kids who are killing themselves. So it's, it's that again, there's, they, they, they're, there's no anchor, and I want to talk to you about anchors tonight. Anchors of blessing. The first is a name written in heaven. Right, what did Jesus say? Right, so. The 70, right, Jesus, he had the 12 apostles, and then you have an outer group of 70 disciples. And he sends the 70 disciples out to preach the gospel, to heal, to cast out demons, and they come back, and they're rejoicing, and they're excited. They were casting out demons. I mean, you know, people who were tormented, they would pray over them in the name of Jesus, and the demons would leave them. And they're, they're, you know, they're exuberant. They're, they're excited about what they're experiencing. But when they came back, Jesus said to them, don't rejoice over the demons fleeing. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I want you to stop and just think about that. The, the Bible talks about a book of life. The Bible talks about the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to share a few verses with you. In Philippians 4.3, you have these two sisters, uh, Euodia and Syntyche, in the church of Philippi, and they're, they're having a fight. They're having a hen fight. Right, ladies? Sometimes in the church, you have hen fights, and men have rooster fights. <laughs> so in, in verse 3, he, he, Paul writes to them, And I urge you also, true companion, help these women... Right, who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. They were sisters in the church going through some difficulties, and we all do. Yet their names were written in the book of life. And you, you see again this, this mention of the book of life repeated, Revelation 17.8. In Revelation 3.5, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, 
and I will not blot at his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So here, here is a promise that the Lord makes to us that if we overcome, right, our name will never be blotted out of the book of life. Now, I, I personally don't believe a name can be blotted out of the book of life. So, who is the one who overcomes? How do we overcome? Do we, do we overcome by, by living just a, a perfectly obedient life? Right? Do, do, we, do we overcome by, you know, by, by you know, doing all the things that we should do? I mean, that's good. That's not bad. But who's the overcomer? What, you know, what is the greatest interpreter of Scripture? And why do we use Scripture here to interpret Scripture? Because Scripture is a far better interpreter than Pastor Frank is. Far better. <laughs> and um, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, watch. For whatever is born of, uh, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. We need to be born of God. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? Watch. But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have overcome. Your name is in the book of life. Your name will never be removed from the book of life. And again, that is, that is something to, to rejoice over. In, in Revelation 13, 8, we see the mention of the Lamb's book, which is the book of the Lamb. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, talking about the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And uh, people will think, well, is there a difference between the Lamb's book of life and, and the book of life? Some, some theologians say there is. Uh, I'll give you my answer in just a moment. Here's another passage, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. This is the great white throne judgment. And um, it tells us in verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. It's important. This is the dead, the spiritually dead. Small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How do you get your name in the book of life? By putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Notice, notice what, these are people who have rejected Jesus. These are unbelievers. What were they judged by? Their works. I don't want to have to stand before God on judgment day and have him judge me according to my works. Could you imagine the, the, the books are opened and I can imagine giant screens where every sin that I have ever committed Every thought, every action, every word. And now I'll be judged according to those sins. 
as compared to having my name written in the book of life and not being there, I'm not there. I'm with God in, in glory because I put my faith in Jesus Christ who died for me on the cross to take away my sins and to impart to me his righteousness. And understand that's what Jesus said. He took our sins upon himself. He says it's finished. And then he imparted to us and gave us his righteousness. And that's, that's a picture again. To not be in the book of life is then to have to stand before God and have all of your works appear before him. And of course, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Revelation twenty-two nineteen. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. From the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And again, that's, that's a, a warning against tampering with the word of God. We need to, you know, we have a number of preachers here this, uh, tonight who have been preaching in our church. And Raphael did a, a, an awesome job, right, last week. And um, we need to handle the word of God with the greatest of care, the greatest integrity. I'll tell you, you know, how carefully I go through the messages that I will preach with a, you know, just, a, the, just looking and making sure that I'm not doing anything to misrepresent or misinterpret the word of God. And I think that's, that's a key thing. So, again, coming back, the, the book of life and the Lamb's book of life, I believe they are the same thing. I believe they are the same thing. But to be blessed and to rejoice and be anchored, folks, that your name is written in heaven. You know, we go through, we through ups and downs, right? But to be, be blessed and to know that your name is written in heaven, that, that, that is an anchor. That is a, a, an assurance. That is the assurance of salvation, right? That, that is a, a certainty that when you die, if you're raptured, you will be with the Lord forever and ever. All right, second. The second blessed anchor is revealed to babes. So in Luke chapter 10, 20, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Now, I want you to notice first the wise and the prudent. The, the audience standing around Jesus at this time are his apostles. There, there are are some followers, there are some fans, and there are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, maybe some of the Herodians. And when Jesus is saying this, who is he referring to as the wise and prudent? He, he isn't saying this in a, in a positive way. He's talking about people who are wise in their own eyes. These are, these are religious people, right? The religious people felt no need for Jesus with the exception of a few, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea. A little later in the book of Acts, some of the Pharisees became believers. But these, these are people who are, who are totally self-satisfied. These are people who, who, they know it all. Right? The Pharisees like, who, who is this, this carpenter from Nazareth? What can he teach us? Right? He's, he's, he's unlearned. You know, we've been, we've been taught in the rabbinical schools. And, and so they, they, they know it all. 
I had, I had somebody, I had somebody say to me, I know the word. And this is somebody, they, 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 they come to the church, they wanted to preach, and he, was, he said to me, I, I, I know the word. And I want to I just say this, I've been studying the word pretty diligently for 40 years, every day. That's reading, studying, memorizing, researching, uh, the historical backgrounds, the Greek language, the Hebrew language. And I, I just want to show you, at the point where I am at this time, this is what I have come to know. And I just want you to understand that that, that, that iceberg just keeps on going. So it just keeps on going. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying, what I, when I come to the Word of God, I am amazed at, again, how little I know and then just passages that I've studied over and over again, how God will reveal so many new things, you know, to me. And so to, to look at it, 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 this is, you know, this is what it looks like. It's, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 8, 2, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. And that's something that I've come, I've come that, that I really don't know anything. I know, I know just a little tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more to know. But again, the, the prudent feels that they, they know it all. And that's, and that's the, 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 the problem. When you, when you see, when Jesus uses the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, the Pharisee has no need. He's, he's fine. Right again, this, this is a man. He knows it all, and he has no awareness of his sinfulness He's, he's prideful, he's arrogant, and then the, the, the tax collector is really the babe. He's the one who knows he, he, he has need. He needs God's love, he needs God's forgiveness. He's in a place of much greater knowledge than, than the Pharisees. You know, really, sometimes people have a lot of head knowledge, but they don't have heart knowledge. And head knowledge puffs up. And listen, I'm a learner. I'm a reader. I'm a studier of, of, of books. But, you know, again, that, that can greatly puff up your head. And to have, to have heart knowledge is to really understand, is to grasp on to who you are and, and what you need, your weaknesses, your strengths. This man grasped onto that. I want to show you again the concept here of the blessedness of being a babe. The last church mentioned in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, right, you have seven churches. I, I believe that they are really a, a great historical picture, and, I, and I've studied church history. Uh, it's a picture of seven periods of church history. The last period is the church of Laodicea. Which, which I began, I, I believe, began around the 1840s, and will come to the to the time of Christ. Now, I'm going to I'm going to read to you. This is the what's called the the lukewarm church. And sometimes it's called the spitball church. And um, it, it tells us, and to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write. These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. 
So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Wise and prudent. Right? Wise in their own eyes. They've got everything. I don't need it. You know, I don't need, I don't need anymore. I'm fine. Everything's okay. Because you say, I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched... Miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I will counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that your shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent, because I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Uh, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. So I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, people have, have come to me, and I've, I've, I, I don't, well, I do know why the Holy Spirit has had me basically come to this passage frequently in the last 10 years. Because I do believe that we are living in the time of the church of Laodicea. We are living in a time of a very lukewarm church. It doesn't mean that every church is lukewarm. It doesn't mean that every Christian is lukewarm. But it, it is a time of great lukewarmness. You know, people will come to me and they will say, well, are these people saved? What do you think? I want you, I want you to look at the passage. You tell me this. They locked Jesus out of the church. Can you be saved and lock Jesus out of your heart? Just... Ask, ask that question. Verse 17, they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Does that sound like a description of a Christian? Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He advises them in verse 18 to buy white garments. What do white garments symbolize? Jesus' righteousness. They're, they're not clothed with his, with his righteousness. If anyone hears my voice, they're obviously not hearing his voice. Jesus said in, in John chapter 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And then, and then he, he adds here in verse 21, he overcomes. They're obviously not overcoming. Right? They're, they're not, they're not. So this is a church, this is a church of, you know, filled with church people. These are people that they come to church on Sunday, okay? Maybe they don't come, you know, all the time. They come occasionally, and they go through the motions. And they, they could be singing the songs and clapping their hands, and depending on what type of religious, you know, worship people, they could stand, they can sit, they can kneel, they can be doing all these things. But they're, they're not, they haven't come to a saving relationship with Jesus and have truly been born again. So they haven't come to that place. They're, notice again, in their own eyes, they're wise. In their own eyes, they're prudent. Right, they got it all together. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I don't, listen, I don't need more of this, this Bible stuff. I don't need to be praying, you know, like, like you fanatical people pray all the time. I don't need that. So they're very, very self-satisfied and self-content and I believe, I believe they, they are unsaved. They're not babes. 
There's, there's the blessing of being a babe in Christ. Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. That, that is a, a, an anchor of blessing to be a babe in Christ and to know that, you know what, though you know a little, you don't know it all, and there is so much more to know. And you're, you're, you're living with, with humility in coming to the Lord. And I'll tell you this, again, there is an excitement that I have 40 years in Christ in, in coming to the Word. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's great that I get the privilege and honor of, of studying the Word. And I was studying the Word much today, preparing uh, two messages, one for this Sunday and finishing up this Sunday and then for next Sunday. But the joy of just coming to the Word every morning and just, you know, whatever, you, my devotions. And they're not devotions. They're, they're joy. I come and I sit at the Lord's feet. And uh, this morning it was Psalm 49, uh, 149 and 150. This morning it, you know, it, it, was, it was in the book of Proverbs chapter 12 and Ezekiel chapter 20. And, and, and I, was, I was in Luke chapter 20. And the, the joy of being in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. And just the joy of coming to have that, that, that childlike joy of coming and learning something new from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as you sit at his feet. So that again, there, there is the, the joy of having God reveal his wonderful word to babes, his truth. Okay, number three, chosen to receive. In verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my father, and no one knows the son, uh, who the son is except the father, and who the father is except the son, and the one to whom the son, notice this, he wills to reveal him. So this, this is the, the blessing of God choosing to reveal his mysteries, his revelations, his salvation to you. You know, Matthew thirteen eleven, Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. The, 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 the mysteries of the kingdom. Do you ever, you ever ask yourself, why me? If, you, if you're in the, if you're in the you know, working in the church, you're surrounded most of the time by Christian people. I also do work outside the church. I'm surrounded by people who don't know the Lord. And I share, and it's, it's been a, a beautiful thing because many of them over the course of time have accepted the Lord, but many of them haven't. And, and there are people, I, I rarely have anyone dis, show me disrespect. I never have anybody tell me, oh, you can't, you can't talk about the Lord. But they, they, they're not receiving. They're not accepting. And uh, there's, there's a mystery in that. You know, why, why some receive the Lord and, and others don't. You have family members, Right. And they, they shut you out. They don't want to hear about Jesus. You have coworkers, neighbors. They, they shut you out. See, sometimes just stopping, why me? I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I really had no interest in, in religion. I, had no, I was an atheist. I had no interest in, in, in the Bible. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I, had, I, was, I was not disrespectful to religious people, whether whether Christians or, or Muslims, Jews, whatever, I just um, I just didn't want to be bothered. 
I didn't want to be bothered with, with religion. I didn't want to be bothered with God. I didn't, I didn't want to be bothered with Jesus. I didn't want to be bothered with the Bible. But yet God, he intervened into my life. And he saved me. He called me. He chose me. So I want to, I want to play a song for you. This is from uh, Casting Crowns. I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but you could just, just stop. You know, we'll go a little different tonight. Meditate on these words. And, um, you know, you've probably, some of you have heard this song. And it makes you get the volume up, Mike, a little bit.
But because of what you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the nowhere Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me mysteries of God. Think, think about what God has revealed to you that people around you have no idea about. I just want to think of this. God's nature. You know, people still, when, you know, what is God like? We know. You know, we don't know perfectly, but we know. We have a true knowledge of what God is like, his attributes, his mercy, his grace, his love, his son, his spirit. The things that he's revealed to us about heaven and hell, salvation, the incarnation, the virgin birth, the rapture, the tribulation, the glorious appearing, the millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, eternity, the new Jerusalem, evil, the devil, the antichrist, the Nephilim, sin, the flesh. You know, people, some, you know, they, they have little pieces. Philosophy has a little piece to the puzzle. And then, you know, religion may have a little piece to the puzzle. You get some, some very wise guy. I think of um, Jordan Peterson, probably one of the smartest men on earth. And, and you listen to Jordan. You know, Jordan has given his life to Christ. Very broken up. I mean, you see the humility in him. He's, he's I'm no longer an atheist now. He believes in Jesus. But Jordan, brilliant man, right? Some pieces. He has some pieces to the puzzle before. Well, you know what he got when he accepted Jesus? He, he now has gotten the whole puzzle. And the, the, the mysteries of God, you know, revealed there. Last, last point that I'll, I'll give you. Blessed to see and to hear. So in, in, verse, in verse 23... And he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes which see the things you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. What, what is he talking about here? Right, Jeremiah and Daniel, right? David, um, Moses, Hezekiah, you know, Josiah. They desired, right? They desired to see Elijah and Elisha, the 12 prophets. They desired to see the coming of Messiah, 
So he says, blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. What did they see? They saw him healing the lepers, cleansing the lepers, right? Raising the dead, giving the lame, right? Able to, you know, to walk, to leap like a deer, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the, the, the mute being able to speak, setting, setting all these people, the demons being cast out and people being set free. And then hearing, hearing him teach, the Messiah teaching the kingdom, proclaiming the word of God, explaining, explaining, right? Proclaiming and explaining the caruso and the didache. They were hearing his word. So we sit there and say, well, you know, the apostles, they had that privilege. What about us? You know, and Jesus said, it's better that I go away than stay. And they're, they're saying, no, Lord. He says, it's better that I go away because when I go away, what am I going to give you? The Holy Spirit. You know, he's saying, we have a greater advantage than the apostles had. They had him on the outside, but now we can have him on the inside. So look at what it, look what it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But just as it is written, things which eyes have has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Now watch. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. We have the, the privilege of sitting in the Spirit at Jesus' feet, opening our heart, and having the Spirit teach us the Word and reveal himself to us. And we have that privilege to experience, you have that privilege to experience that tonight. And I hope that that's the experience that you've had tonight. Because if you experience Frank Bellella, poor you. But if you experience Jesus tonight through the Spirit, you, you're feeling something, right? There's something special that's happened in your, in your heart and in your life, you know, tonight. And that is a, that is a you know, wonderful, a joyful thing. So again, that, that is the blessed... Right, the blessing to see and to hear. So here's our here's our, our, our close and our wrap up. So again, to be blessed because your name is written in heaven. Uh, to be blessed that you are a babe in Christ, and and just able to receive the things of the Lord because of your your your, your humility. To be blessed because you are chosen. And to be blessed to see and hear the things and the words of God. Key final passage. 2 Corinthians 4.18 Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal, right? It's a little hard to do this because, right, we have these five senses and we're experiencing this world around us, whether good or bad. 
and we become extremely focused on the temporary and we lose focus on the eternal. We become extremely focused on the earthly, we lose sight of the heavenly, right? We become extremely focused on the material and we can lose sight, right, of the spiritual. So it, just, it, it does take, it takes a, a, a yielding. It takes a, a surrender to the spirit for us to be able to, to see. We're only going to be here for a short time. Some of us shorter than others. Who knows? Maybe he comes tomorrow. But we are like, uh, we're, we're like a vapor, like the song said, right? We're like, we're like a leaf, right? The leaves, the leaves are all falling off the trees now. And then they'll fall to the ground and they'll crumble and they'll turn to dust. But we have a spirit and a soul that is eternal. So the temporary we're going to leave behind for a time, but the eternal we're going to take with us, right? The material we'll leave behind, but the spiritual. So we, we, need, to, we need to balance that. We need to balance that to be able to, to focus on the spiritual. And that's it. That's it.